Hello and welcome to NFL First and Goal, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Eric Allen, the former NFL cornerback. On today's podcast, we'll focus on the key matchups across the league, spotlighting the marquee game between the Ravens and the Panthers with Mick Mixon, radio voice of the Carolina Panthers. But let's kick off the podcast with our NFL insider. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the Rap Sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Be sure to check out Ian's podcast, Rap Sheet and Friends. It's outstanding. You can listen to it right here on TuneIn. Ian, thanks for taking the time. Ryan Fitzpatrick played well after Jameis Winston had four interceptions on the road in Cincinnati. What do you think the Bucks quarterback situation looks like moving forward? Well, Dirk Cutter was asked about that post game and said he's going to look at it, and he certainly was willing to make a decision, but it was not going to do it right now. That being said, uh, it is hard to imagine the team not going with Ryan Fitzpatrick after Jameis Winston to the four interceptions, did not give them a chance to win the game, and then Fitzpatrick came on and, and almost stole it. Uh, so I would be surprised if it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick. But the other part of this is, you know, the Bucks have a major decision, $20 million decision at the end of the year regarding Jameis Winston. And so Fitzpatrick, you know, of course he's the better option to start now, but does that mean that as an organization they have to move on from Jameis Winston? That's sort of the overlying question. And, you know, if they do decide Fitz is the starter for the rest of the season, then is that just basically admitting that everything about Jameis Winston is a complete failure? Maybe, but that's a huge, huge leap for an organization. Yeah, without a doubt. I agree with you wholeheartedly. If you're going to make a decision on your future, is four interceptions in two or three games uh, going to be that decision to where you kind of leave right. him? Yeah, it's going to be a huge decision to see what happens. And again, when you're, when you're a veteran player and you know you don't have all these years and you're talking about the future, you're talking about like right now. You want to win right now. And with that, signing de- uh, the trading deadlines coming up on Tuesday, what are the teams that are going to be the most active uh, in the free agency or excuse me, in the, in the uh, this Tuesday? You know, I, I would expect the teams that, that usually kind of entertain us during these times. You know, the Rams, uh, obviously they're, they're great. and I mean, they're down now, but they're a great team. And, you know, they're looking for pass rush help. I wouldn't be surprised to see if they made a move. The New England Patriots are always active. Ravens are always active. Um, the Denver Broncos with another loss today might become sellers. We'll see if they're active. Demarius Thomas, obviously there. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers during a loss season, they're always – you know, ready to make a business decision. Do they deal Pierre Garçon? Um, that's certainly a question there. I mean, there's there's teams that are going to be, and the Raiders, of course, you know, they already made two big deals. Won't be surprised at another. Um, you know, those are the teams that are going to kind of be entertaining us a little bit on Tuesday. We'll see what deals actually get done. Um, but there is definitely uptick in chatter and conversations. Chatting with our NFL insider, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. Browns lost to the Steelers today. Ian, could some changes be coming to Cleveland's coaching staff as soon as tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I, I would expect, uh, if not tomorrow, then then soon thereafter, some sort of change. And, you know, the way it was described to me, is it's really a dysfunctional situation. And you know, I know Coach Hugh Jackson gets a lot of Criticism as he's good, you know, three thirty six and one, nothing go right there as a head coach. But he is still the head coach, and you know, when you have an offensive coordinator that has not sort of listened to what he says, has kind of done his own thing, um, it's hard to to keep him as the offensive coordinator. And you figure, you know, if Hugh Jackson's going to get the season, then he's probably going to want to go out 
calling the plays, running the offense itself. Uh, all eyes are on Cleveland tomorrow. It's going to be a fascinating situation. Another team that uh, lost uh, this morning, Jacksonville. What we what do we expect uh, coming out of Jacksonville with the quarterback situation, with the defense kind of uh, not playing up to expectation? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting because Blake Bortles really played fine today. I mean, he's he's what he is. He's a you know mediocre quarterback at best, but he really played fine today. You know, I don't think he lost the starting job today. Um, but is Cody Kessler enough to? Do they need enough of a jump at quarterback to, to put him in, even though Blake didn't really lose it today? I think that's sort of the question. And as far as the defense, I mean, yes, they didn't play great today, but you know the offense didn't run the ball at all. Uh, they're on the third left tackle they've had. They have no tight ends. Um, they lost their best running back. I mean, they, they lost their best receiver. Um, they have been crushed with injuries, and they're, you know, they're, they're struggling to stay afloat, and obviously today didn't help at all. It really didn't. Is this finally going to be the week that Le'Veon Bell comes back to the Pittsburgh Steelers? I think it's the best chance we've had. Um, you know, my understanding was he was sort of leaning toward coming back after uh, the trade deadline uh, elapsed. So 4 1 p.m. Tuesday. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him then walk at the door and say, let's go. Uh, James Conner was fantastic. Uh, has become a star this season. I think the Steelers will happily let Le'Veon Bell walk. Uh, but, you know, Bell has someone to share the carriage with, and when he shows up, uh, he immediately makes him a better team. No, it's not, you know, even though I think they've been really good since, uh, he clearly makes him a better team when he's there. But he's, he has to be losing some leverage here. He had a, you know, Connor had 146 today, and, and, and they beat the Browns. So he has to be losing a little bit of leverage, a little bit of money maybe. Yeah, hard to imagine he doesn't. But I will say this, like, free agency is not – always determined by what your actual worth is. It's really determined by what someone will pay for you. So if someone says, yes, James Conner is special, but man, Le'Veon Bell is special too, and I want him in my offense, you know, is someone willing to pay $17 million? Remember, the Steelers offered him like, uh, you know, 15 or 14. Steelers offered him 14 a year. He wants 17. We'll see how close he gets. But either way, I mean, he's going to be a very coveted player in free agency, no doubt. And always a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of the games today, and we'll chat with you next week again on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you, guys. We continue on NFL First and Gold, the podcast. Now let's break down the game between the Broncos and Chiefs with the Hall of Famer Willie Rofe, who played offensive tackle in Kansas City and in New Orleans with Eric Allen. Now let's recap the Chiefs' latest victory over the Denver Broncos to improve to 7-1. and Pleased to be joined by the Hall of Famer Willie Rofe, former Chiefs offensive tackle who played with Eric in New Orleans. He joined us on behalf of Frame Your Game. We'll discuss that momentarily. Willie, thanks for taking the time. How are you today? Thank you, man. It's been, it's been a good day. I'm still watching football. So, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a real good day to watch the sports and obviously the baseball playoffs. That was a great game the other night. So it's, it's a great time of year for me. Yeah, for sure. Willie, good talking to you, my man. Just a legendary uh, player at great battles, and you were able to block the great Reggie Whites and all the all the greats of all time, man. Good to talk to you. Glad that you're still watching some football and, and excited about the good sports day. Talk to us a little bit about why this Kansas City Chiefs team is just so impressive on offense. Well, I'm, I'm looking at the stats 
Yes, Eric, and uh, you know me, you go way back. It's just like when you got traded, I got traded to Kansas City. I tore my knee up by that time I was a pro and understood I'd take care of myself. Yep. I think it's the play of the offensive and defensive line. I talked to Ray Crockett the other day in Denver, and I said, the game is going to be won up front. Uh, if you look at the stats, uh, they did a real good job against uh, uh, Von Miller and, 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 the, and the other other D linemen. They drafted real high. And he, it sure up, they only had one sack combined. And then you had D Ford who stepped up. Houston was out, had three sacks. I think this is the best game in his career. And I think as, a, as, a, as the year goes on, that Chiefs line is getting better and better. And the Broncos line is still, you know, they have, they lost they lost a couple of guys, Donald Stevenson and the Kong, the other big tackle. But uh, the Broncos offense played good. Keenum had a good game. He spread the ball around. But, again, if you don't get pressure on Mahomes, he'll pick you apart. Talking Chief football with the Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. Willie, we know Kansas City can score plenty of points. You talked about the Kansas City defensive line. Let's expand the focus. Big picture, how much faith do you have in the entire Kansas City D? You know, as long as as long as they can get some stops and that D line is getting better and, and they can create some turnovers going down, doing down a stretch, they will get better. They will get Eric Berry back at some point this year. You're gonna you're gonna get Houston back before the year. You lost uh, one of the best players to play in, in Kansas City history, Derek Johnson retired. He went to Oakland last year, so I think they're getting better. They got a bunch of young guys. Jones had a sack up front. He's a real good disruptor for that defensive line and and I just think uh as long as they're, they're being and don't break and they get and they and if they can get home field it's going to be tough to go in the arrowhead and beat them if they get home field throughout the playoffs it's a tough environment to play in and 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 right now they, they got the lead and the only team that's right there knocking on the door was the Patriots who who, who will play good against them but it's going to be tough to go in the arrowhead yeah, speaking about those Patriots football teams, and when you're known as a – this is from a lineman's perspective, which I know you understand. When you're known as a finesse football team, how does the line, when the, when the season turns, when it's cold and snowing and you may have to go to Foxborough uh, – excuse me, when you go to Gillette and play, how do you kind of get that momentum? How do you get that confidence of being a physical, tough uh, line when – Everyone thinks that you're just this finesse team that protects this quarterback who's outside the pocket all the time. Well, like I said, when that happens, you got to be able to you got to be able to get after them up front. You got to be able to control the line of scrimmage. You got to run the ball. Hunt only had 50 yards running the ball. Denver actually ran the ball better than the Chiefs today. You got to be able to control the ball, can run the ball, create some play action. You got two tight ends for Kansas City right now. You got Kelsey and the young kid, 84, stepped up. But then, like you said, today Watkins had a big game. Yeah. You know, I mean, they have so many different weapons that can get you. Watkins hadn't, hadn't stepped up all year. But the key to controlling the game, especially in the trenches, when, the, when it gets cold, and, it, and I, call, I call that big man football, the Hawks, <laughs> the Hawks can get after you. Nasty football. He is Eric Allen. I'm Brian Weber chatting with the Hall of Famer Willie Rofe, who joined us on behalf of Frame Your Game. We'll give you the details of that in a minute. Willie, looking ahead, it's the Rams and the Chiefs next month on a Monday night in Mexico City. Put your Kansas City allegiance aside. Who do you think has the better offense this year, the Chiefs or the Rams? Um, I, I say, I say they're, they're, they're pretty 
pretty even. I, I, I say they're pretty even. I, I, if you look at the weapons, you know, with, with Cooks and, and Wood stepping up from USC and those guys and Gurley, and you have Hunt on the other side of the, side of the ball, I, I look at both of them and they're, and they're comparable. Uh, but, you know, Mahomes is, Mahomes is more of a, more of a uh, run around. He can scramble, do a few more things than I think the, uh, the, uh, the other quarterback can. But, but I, say the, I say those offenses are pretty comparable. Like I said, it's going to come down to if, if you want to give the advantage, I give the advantage to uh, the Rams' defense. I think the Rams got more vets, and they got they got they got a, some great players on the other side of the ball. Which the Chiefs have younger guys. I know. I know. Most folks may know you from the the Saints days. Talk to us a little bit about the Saints. They kind of changed their identity. People sometimes think of them as this kind of finesse football team, but with those two backs and how they are able to run the football effectively, man, it must really uh, uh, give you a, a, a lot of sunshine and happiness to know that the Saints are back to running the football and being a physical team, huh? It, it does, it does, and it starts up front with them too. You have Teron, who's fine, Armstead, who I talk to, and I tell, and I tell him, man, you gotta know what you gotta do. Take care of your body, especially when you get older. I think he's just not hitting his prime. I think they got the other young kid Ramchak on the other side, and I think I think you got a couple guys that are looking maybe all pro, especially Pro Bowl on that on that Saints line. So the Saints line and, and the Chiefs line are two of the best I think that are doing it this year. And and as they go, and, and the more they run the ball like you said that takes the pressure off Breeze and, and, and Breeze is going to get after you because he, he's, he's the most <laughs> accurate quarterback in the NFL. Finally Willie you've teamed up with Frame Your Game and FrameYourGame.com what are the details what should our listeners know? Well you know business is picking up for us we, it looks like a helmet we want the we want we, our, our slogan is we want the helmet the, 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 the fans to put their helmet on game day like the fans it looks like a helmet it's got right there it's got the clips on it and you can put it on your car we have the NFL PA license and we, we can put players in them too so business is picking up and they can go to frameyourgame.com and check out the product and we'll be venturing in other sports we have other products but right now it's football and they can go down to fanatics.com and they go to our website and see all the products we have and all the teams and if you don't want to buy the helmet you can buy the bottom part or you can buy the plate with your favorite player on also Sounds very cool. We will check it out. Willie, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate you joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thank you for having me. This is NFL First and Gold, the podcast. Now let's focus on the big game between the Ravens and Panthers with the radio voice of the Carolina Panthers, Mick Mixon. Now let's recap. The Panthers' victory over the Ravens, 36-21. Carolina goes to 5-2. and two. Always great to talk Carolina football with Mick Mixon, radio voice of the Panthers. Mick, we appreciate you taking the time. What would you take away from today's latest victory? Oh, this was clutch. I think that the Panthers had kind of fiddled around, and even at 4-2 and two had, had had to come flaming on in the fourth quarter, come roaring back at Philadelphia, had to kick a Graham Gano 63-yard field goal to beat the Giants, fell way behind at Washington, almost won. But I think the Panthers knew that if you're going to be a good football team and go to the places you want to go, you can't you can't start slowly. You can't continue to live on that. You've got to fix the underlying disorder. And the Panthers did that today with a cohesive, aggressive, courageous game plan brilliantly executed by offense, defense, and special teams against a very good Ravens club. 
Wow, Cam is just playing great football again. You know, uh, 52 yards rushing, 219 yards passing. Uh, wh- what has uh, Coach North Turner been able to input in this offense that uh, seems like this offense is really rolling at times? Eric, you're probably too uh, young to remember Bruce Lee, the world's greatest martial artist. But North <laughs> Turner, it sounds weird for me to say it, I know, but I've, always, I've thought North Turner and Bruce Lee have a lot in common. Bruce Lee famously said, use that which works. Water can crash, water can flow, be like water. And that's kind of the way this he's designed this Panther offense. This offense doesn't just roll out the read option, roll out these weapons and, and a transcendent quarterback and say, okay, here we come, stop it. This offense is nimble enough at a variety of styles to be able to, to identify game-specific matchups and take advantage of those week to week. You see it, McCaffrey, uh, run the, you know, he might get 280 yards rushing in one game. He's done that this year. He caught a franchise tying record, 14 passes in another game, all in the same season and within the context of the same offense. Chatting with Mick Mixon, the radio voice of the Carolina Panthers. Mick, let's talk health. What has the return of Greg Olson meant to this offense? Yeah, Greg Olson. He's he's a he's one of my all time favorite Carolina Panthers. I'm old now. I'm sixty. I just had my sixtieth birthday a few weeks ago, so I feel like the like these players are are kind of of me in a way, although that's far from the truth. But Olson's one of my favorites. Uh, he could talk for four straight days and still be on the same subject. Clubhouse lawyer. Uh, just knowledgeable about a variety of things, life its own self, politics, finance, athletics, and and he's the son of a coach. So, Brian, you know, while you and I maybe were our liberal arts majors when Eric was patrolling secondaries, you know, Greg Olson has grown up just figuring out what beats cover two, you know, how, how does this particular defense work against these route combinations. He's just eaten up with football. So to have his mind his coach on the field mentality as well as his physical skill has meant the world. Well, well I was a uh, internet dragon guy also, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, defensively, you know, this, this team for years has been known for its defense. And, and since Cam kind of has arrived and was the MVP a couple of years ago, I think the defense has maybe taken a back seat early on. You didn't see, kind of the, the dominant defense that we're used to. How's the defense coming, and is the, is the projections for this defense getting better, or are they at their max potential right now? I'd ask you how you see it, Eric. I think from, you know, from, from the, my little patch of real estate here in the Carolinas, it's trending up after today. Prior to today, we could have backseat driven this. It would have been about a three-beverage conversation on where is it going, where's the, where are the sacks, where's the, the dislodging of the football, where's the, the pressure in the pocket. The Panthers have played a lot of single high lately, so what's that eighth defender doing? Is he stopping the run? Adrian Peterson rushed for almost 100 against the Panthers. But I think today Eric Washington had it really dialed up. He likes using the D-line depth, different combinations of players kind of wearing on Baltimore. It seemed as though the Panthers might have gotten into Baltimore's fitness a little bit with with Baltimore having to play four of their last five on the road and 
and, you know, the Panthers being able to possess the ball. How, how do you see the evolution of the Panther D? Well, again, I think it all starts in the middle of the football field. And, again, uh, with Luke Keekley kind of being able to cover, being able to hit the uh, hit the holes in the backfield and get those tackles for losses, that brings an extra cost for me uh, to the safeties. And so Eric Reed is going to really have to continue to play an outstanding game in the middle of the football field, had a sack today, had seven tackles. So, again, I think it's trending up because the middle the football field for this football team has always been the strength of the defense and they can continue to continue uh, to continue to to make plays in the middle of the football field I think they're they're in good shape how did the Eric Reed signing uh, play out in your mind well, I thought it was a necessity uh, because it's a big, physical, strong, uh, run-stopping safety. And again, if this team is going to continue to play single high, they need that guy in the box to be an intimidator. They need him to, to be a tackling machine, not afraid of contact, being able to take on guards if he has to, be able to fight those guys off and continue to really play off those two outstanding middle linebackers. So I thought it was a necessity, and he's really played big uh, thus far. Yeah, I agree. I just was curious in the national perspective from from you and Brian. I think you know locally it it was it was a great signing, and you know he comes packaged with certain things, but he's not alone. He he joins a team that has some very socially aware, intelligent, layered, nuanced, outspoken athletes on it, and so I think he was welcomed right away into the locker room. Mick, always a pleasure. We appreciate you taking the time. And as always, your impression, how did you know I was a political science major in college? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. I guess birds of a feather flock together. Thank you, Mick. We appreciate the time. Appreciate it, guys. We roll on on NFL First and Gold, the podcast. Let's take you round the league with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. Now let's expand the conversation, take you round the league with a good friend of the program, DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, we appreciate you taking the time. When you look at the Rams, I realize they have a perfect record, but there are no perfect teams in professional sports. Do you see any potential weaknesses? That's a good question, man. I mean, I think today was probably the true test for this team having to struggle early in the ball game. Offensively, they have been doing everything they wanted to do all year long, putting up tons of points, and had to grind this game out. And uh, I think eventually the, the leadership and the, the type of guys they have on that team kind of emerged. Defensively, Aaron Rodgers was you know, going up and down the field a little bit, and we saw that D-line get after him and, and really start to pressure him. So it's tough to wonder where you know their weaknesses are because they find ways to win even when they don't play their best football, and they got a bunch of guys out there who I think are battle-tested now, and like we know around the league, there's going to be tons of teams that make plays on you, and these guys get paid just like the Rams do, so uh, people don't have their spurts, but I thought the Rams were tested today, and this is going to be something I think they look back on later in the year and say this is where our team was battle tested and was able to really find out who we really are. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, talking about the NFC, you talked about the Rams, probably number one. Uh, who do you have as number two, the Saints or the Carolina Panthers? You know what, I think it's still the Saints, man. I, I think uh, the Saints give you a lot more issues, especially offensive with Drew Brees. Uh, he's going to put up 25, 30 points a game. He's going to be consistent. He's not going to turn the ball over. And that Saints defense continually get better every week. Tonight would be a good test when they take on the Vikings. But the Saints are still uh, a team that are uh, are tough to defend. Uh, Carolina's come along. Uh, they had a big win today. Had a big comeback win last week. So they're starting to find their groove. But I, I still would say the Saints are a team that's 
pretty, pretty uh, tough to deal with. Uh, it's going to be a, a big test for anybody going down the stretch. We're recapping today's action with DJ Shockley, the former Falcons quarterback. DJ, I realize that the Giants are having a challenging year. They're 1-7, but Washington won that game to go to 5-2. and two. Adrian Peterson turning back the clock. How much are you buying the division-leading Redskins? You know what? I think they're still a work in progress. I think they're still trying to figure out where they're best at. They brought in Alex Smith, of course, to shrug the pass game and, and give them, you know, a little bit more balance. And Adrian Peterson, you know, it has been everything they needed and more. And I think when Darius guys went down, there was a, a panic on that team of, we got to put everything on Alex Smith. And I know they didn't want to do that, but bringing in AP, he's ran hard, he's been physical, and you saw him be able to, to solve that game away at the end of the ball game, at the big run at the end. Uh, this Washington Redskins team is a team that's starting to catch their groove as well as they, they begin. But they're going to have a tough stretch where uh, I think they got like eight, nine straight ball games. So it's going to be a, a hard test for them. But uh, it's going to be fun to watch the Redskins and how they really progress. Yeah, staying with that game, talk to us a little bit about the position, the quarterback position for both football teams. You know, Alex Smith has a history of being the check down king. And then on the other side of the football, you have Eli Manning, who some say should be somewhere else. Talk to us a little bit about each player and where they are right now as far as their career is concerned. You know, I think for the Giants, man, it's tough to watch Eli go through this stretch. And I know a lot of people felt like, he probably should be gone last year when they had the opportunity, when they benched him and stopped his streak and all that kind of stuff. And that was the Giants' chance to get rid of him. But uh, the bigger picture of it is e- Eli has, hasn't played his best football, but also he hasn't had much help. I mean, his offensive line is atrocious right now. I mean, there's it, so much pressure on Eli to get that football out. And for the last couple of weeks, it's been let's throw it up, give our guys a chance to make a play on it. But then the bigger picture is, when they have moved the football, they haven't been able to score in the red zone. So Eli has struggled, yes. Uh, I think it's that time for Eli. He hasn't really played his best football. You can see the arm strength is not as there like it used to be. He's not seeing it as quickly as he used to. So Eli is going to have a, a tough thing on his hand towards the end of the season to know when it's time to let it go. And on the other side, for Alex Smith, he's a guy that, yeah, been known to be the checkdown guy, but I think that's what – a lot of teams have liked about him is he's not going to turn it over. He's not going to force the ball. He's not going to lose the game for you. He's going to be consistently keeping you in a ball game. But I think at the end of the day, you still need him to push that ball down the field more and be more of a threat to throw it down the field. And I think that's why Andy Reid and the Chiefs kind of went away from it because they want more of that. And they've seen that happen with Patrick Mahomes for sure. But Alex is going to be a guy that's going to be dependable for you. But he's not going to be the guy that's going to take all the chances and take the shots throughout the year. DJ, you know the NFC South well, so let's wrap it up with Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston, four interceptions, including a pick six and the loss today on the road in Cincinnati. Ryan Fitzpatrick sparked this team coming off the bench. If you're calling the shots in Tampa Bay, who's the starting quarterback next week? Uh, it's just magic, no doubt. I mean, you, you talk about what Jameis has looked like the past few weeks. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's through four today, had a couple last week. Uh, he just has not played good football over the last three weeks since he's been back. I don't know if it's because he's haven't had time to get acclimated, but he came back during the bye week, so he should have had time to really find his groove with that team. But uh, I think you're better off with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You, you know what fire, 
what he brings to the table. You know that you know he's going to have his moments where he's going to throw it away a couple of times, but I think he gives you a better chance to win right now. I don't think Jameis is the answer for Tampa Bay. and I, I've been a, a big supporter of Jameis over the years and wanted him to succeed, but over the past few games, he has just not showed up for his team and I think Fitzpatrick gives them the best chance uh, of winning ball games going forward. DJ, as always, we appreciate the information. We'll chat with you soon again here on the NFL on TuneIn. I be y'all take it easy, man. Let's close out the podcast with the intersection of football and physics. It's time for the Playing with Science Checkdown, where science and sports collide. And for that, let's say hello to our good friends, Chuck Nice and Dr. Eric Goff. Fellas, we'll hear from you in a moment. First, let's take you to Chicago. Mitchell Trubisky went to Tariq Cohen. Jeff Jodiak with the call. Bears Radio Network. Chicago Bears defeated the New York Jets today. Guys, take us through the play. Hey, thanks, Brian. Well, the diminutive back from Chicago made it look easy, but there was a heck of a lot more going on than meets the eye. Professor Eric Goff, why don't you take us through it? Well, first off, it was the perfect screenplay. The Bears were on their own 30-yard line with second and 10, and quarterback Mitchell Trubisky was in the shotgun with Tariq Cohen as the lone running back on Trubisky's left. Trubisky backpedaled after the snap, allowing the Bears' offensive line to set up the perfect blocking scheme for a screen pass. Cohen slipped through the hole just as Jets inside linebacker Avery Williamson let Cohen go by while rushing the quarterback. Cohen caught the 10-yard screen pass from Trubisky at the Bears' 31-yard line just past the line of scrimmage. Cohen had daylight in front of him as he sprinted down the left side of the field toward the goal line. Cohen ran just over 70 yards on the play, averaging 18 miles per hour. He kicked his speed to over 19 miles an hour when he saw Jets quarterback Daryl Roberts flying toward him from the opposite side of the field. Roberts was at the Bears' 46-yard line near the right sideline, and he had his back to the play. He ran 70 yards at a top speed of 23 miles per hour, but was still unable to stop the play. Tariq Cohen is listed at 5 feet 6 inches tall. He needed 37 steps to cover 70 yards, averaging about 4.7 steps per second. Had 6 feet 3 inches tall, Titans running back Derrick Henry run that screenplay. He would have needed only 33 steps. Chuck, last week Mitch Trubisky ran 72 yards but only got credit for 8 of them. Despite being 6 feet 3 inches tall, he needed 50 steps for his wild run. Not so for Cohen as he busted out of that screenplay and was all business while sprinting to the end zone. And there you have it. This one is for the little guys from Napoleon to the lollipop kids to Spud Webb to Chuck Nice. We're saluting Tariq Cohen. (laughs) Well, Chuck, weren't you... Went with diminutive to make it a big word Sunday. I scribbled down Randy Newman on my pad, but I'm going to raise that and give you Billy Barty. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That is why I love calling in and talking to you, Brian. Fellas, always a pleasure. We'll chat with you next week. That was the Playing With Science Checkdown. All free, only on TuneIn.